hoping that you will be here. If you are watching right now, if it's any time during this week before the uh, 21st, you're invited to Thanks Meal. So come on, bring some food, bring some people that you are thankful for, and uh, and celebrate with us. Uh, we are having, Leneva's group is coming, um, the Jesus League, they're going to be here. We're having some special singing and uh, that sort of thing. So be here, mentally prepare yourself for a longer service, a little bit longer, not super duper crazy, but longer, and um, and be here for that. If you are planning to help put together, what? Oh. If you're planning to help put together boxes, that will be on Wednesday. I think that uh, Brother Mike's class has decided with some of their with some of their men folk that they're going to have class over here. <laughs> so the the men, if and and men from my class, our class, if y'all want to stay with us to put together boxes, we'll we'll be happy for that. But if you'd rather come over here. And join the men you know, with fellowship and, and, and listening to the word. That's great, too. But uh, we will be putting together our shoe boxes at 7 o'clock and, uh, and just getting all that stuff ready. If you have not yet brought any items, bring them by Wednesday. And it's a socks or box, which we have a ton of boxes. So if you could pick socks instead, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> but bring some with you, and we'll, um, we will see how many... Um, I was asked last week how much money we had for, I think we have enough for at least two dozen boxes. So if we have more boxes than that, then we'll certainly get some money together, no worries. But uh, we, we, have enough, we have enough money for two dozen, and we have enough stuff for at least two dozen. So thank you so very much for your participation uh, so far this year. I mean, of course, we'll start back in January, but, but really do thank you. Also, the 15th of December is our church Christmas party. If you've never been to our church Christmas party before, it's fun. We have a great time. We, you know, we eat our party food and we sing our carols and we play games and it's just, it's a great time. So uh, please do make your plans to be here. If you're watching right now, you are invited to the church Christmas party. I invited somebody last week who doesn't normally come and I and, uh, said, come on to our church Christmas party. It's going to be lots of fun. So please invite people uh, who wouldn't normally come. It's going to start at 6.30 and uh, we'll, we'll have a great time. Any other announcements, we will let you know. Um, but uh, but for now, just keeping those few things in mind, um, we were <laughs> we were driving this morning and on the interstate, and there was a deer on the side of the road. I know it was sad. Um, he had perished. Uh, he wasn't just standing there. But um, there was a deer on the side of the road, and and we were just talking about how difficult it was for you know. And he said, "How many deer do you think actually make it?" I said, I don't know, that's that's rough because you jump from one side and then you go across two lanes of track, or three, because there's the the um, toll lane, and he's got, a, he's got a barrier in the middle, and he has to jump that, and then there's a toll lane and two other lanes. I mean, that's that's a lot. He, there are a lot of barriers to, to him crossing the road. And we were just sitting there, and he, I don't know, a minute or two later, Shane looked at me and said, there's a lesson in that, isn't there? Thank you, Jesus. Yes, there is. And he said, he said, there's a lesson in that, isn't there? It, it takes a lot to make it. Amen. I'm sorry, were you, you weren't going to use that when you come up for a prayer request, were you? 
Okay, because I just stole your thunder if that was the case. But, um, but yes, there are, there are lots of barriers to making it. We have to be determined. If we're going to make it to heaven, if we're going to make it, because the Lord never said that this world would be easy. He didn't say that, that the things that we go through would, would be uh, all sunshine and roses all the time. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but I guarantee you that you're going to have peace because I have overcome the world. You can overcome the world. Amen. Let's see in this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to have his will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise for all that you do and all that you are. God, we are thankful that you give us life and life more abundantly. Father, we thank you that we are more than conquerors because you have made it, we can too. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you have worked and moved in us this week, that you have allowed us to be in your house, that you've given us physical, mental, emotional strength. Lord, we just lift you up and we praise you. God, I just ask that you would have your will and your way in this place today. Lord, you know that there are those who have come in with burdens. There are those who have come in with stress and difficulty. But God, I just ask that you lift them up and give them strength and encouragement today. God, through the peace of your Holy Spirit, that you would just come down in a strong and mighty way. Lord God, that you would work and move in each of our lives, that we honor you and please you, that we receive from you whatever it is that you have planned for us today. God, we honor you, we praise you. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you would hear me when I call? It's true that you are thinking of me, how you love me. It's amazing. Sing that again. Who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you would hear me when I call? true that you are thinking of me, how you love me. It's amazing that I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me blessed. That you are mindful of me, that you would hear me when I call. And is it true that you are thinking of me? Oh, how you love me! It's amazing. It's amazing. of God. I am a friend of God. I am a 
praise your name. There is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood and God saved. Since then I walk in forgiveness cause all of my guilt was erased. Chains of the past, they are broken, that last, I got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I received nothing but goodness. I've tested and tasted His grace. I was so lost till I fell at His cross and got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy. I'm undone by the goodness of my Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? The love of God gave me His pardon. The love of God won't let me stay the the love of God holds me up higher. His will is stronger. That's why I got saved. And I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of my Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my but I want more, and I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of my Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I've got Jesus. How could I want more? We praise your holy name this morning. Praise your name.
got me this morning. It always get me, but good stuff. It's time now to receive pay requests this morning. Gretchen, we do want to pray for Gigi and Pop Pop as they travel. I hope they're watching. Sister Hager, just definitely pray for Sister Hager's boys. Brother Mike, Continue praying for Brother Mike's wife and Sister Wiseman. I think she's in West Virginia. Glory, right. glory, 
so Sister Wiseman's sister, continue praying for her as they do the, uh, is it pacemaker? Pray that all goes well. Sister. Great granddaughter for Sister Powell. Definitely pray for her. Yes, ma'am. Sister Joyner. Pray for Jamie and that he gets, you know, starts hanging around the right people. I, I had to go through that. I understand. Pray for, continue prayer for Treva and um, or something else. Special needs, the Lord knows all about. If that's it, unspoken requests, stand, raise your hands as we take these to the Lord.
this fellowship. Sometimes those voices try to tell me I'm forgotten
David said that the praise would be continually in his mouth. And then the first part of that same verse 34, uh, chapter 34, verse 1, he said, continually in my mouth. All times, at all times. Praise God. Do we ever feel like not praising God? Possibly once in a while we do. You know, but it's all right to praise the Lord, isn't it? It's all right to give Him glory. I think about the great songs this morning that are always great, but I, I looked at that God Almighty, Lord of glory, called me friend. Hallelujah. That, that sounds like we're on the same status with Abraham. Oh, because God said, I can't go by my friend Abraham without telling him what I'm up to. Praise God. Whoo, somebody jump over the church with the preacher. Hallelujah. My friend Abraham. Amen. And now he calls you and I friend. He calls us his friend. And that's wonderful. I thank God today for his goodness and how he has blessed us. Lord, please help our sister. Oh, God, have mercy. She has uh, a trip and fallen. Is that what it is? Oh, God, bless the Lord. Let, let's ask God for help for her. See, she, uh, I didn't even see it, but I believe she has fallen and hurt her leg. God, help mercy. Father, oh, show up now for our sister. Touch her, oh God, from this that's just happening to her. And I pray, God, I pray that your healing and your blessing just flow over her now, giving her strength and the joy of the Lord. Fill her right now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, take the pain and relieve in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, do show up for her, I pray. Oh, holy God, you are Lord and you are Savior. You are strength. And would you bring strength and blessing in Jesus' name? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Boy, things happen sometimes. Oh, oh mercy. Oh, mercy. Praise God. Twisted her ankle. Oh, dear God, please help them. I tell you, folks, all that's going on is a struggle from time to time. But we thank God 
for all that he's done and all of his blessings. The lady we saw last night that we've been praying for that has had cancer and now is also going through that. Uh, she, she rode that long way to be there last night at that singing, and we saw her, and I, I was reminded of what I saw on our granddaughter's uh, phone, how that they were at uh, a Wednesday night service, Bible study, and uh, our little great-grand, is it great-granddaughter? Great-granddaughter was laying there, and they were both sort of nodding and getting ready to go to sleep, and but whenever she'd move, the granddaughter's, uh, her hand would just move with her as though she was praying for her. Oh, hallelujah. And I want to tell you, it's good when you've got kids praying for you. See, they don't have all this other stuff in their head. Praise God, my wife even now today testifies of how that she was healed uh, and had, uh, what was it, every year. Twice a year, laryngitis, laryngitis twice a year. I mean, it was a normal thing. And when we were in India, I'm not sure if it wasn't the last time, maybe it was, had those kids, there was about 500 of those kids in his orphanage there. <laughs> and they prayed for my wife. And, and that's been, gosh, that's been six years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago, and no more laryngitis. Hallelujah. I, I hope you don't have laryngitis and you can brag on Jesus. Anybody? One, two? Yes. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Is there another that you would brag on Jesus? Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. How about as bad as it can be? Still, I thank God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Oh, I wish we'd take that one. Amen. Praise God. Those, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I trust those of you that are watching at home that you're feeling what we're feeling right here in this place. I, and I prayed that way this morning. God, allow your spirit that is here to be in every home. That's why. Praise God. Oh, I, I hate to do this uh, to my daughter right now, but... But what we want to do, I have a letter from the uh, uh, state office. Every year, uh, the, the state office gives to uh, retired ministers and, and uh, widows and widowers and all this 
uh, and they're trying to give them a dinner and uh, I think a gift of $50, but they need our help. They need our help. And, and, and I'm sorry that my wife's gone because I wanted her to give $10 too. Uh, I'm going to give $10 and I wanted my wife too and I wanted three or four or five others to give $10. Brother Mike's going to get it from me. And if you do it by phone, just go ahead and do your phone, but let Sister Dean know that you gave $10, 20 $30. Whatever you gave by phone, even at home, let her know so that we can write a check and make sure these folks are blessed. They pay. Listen, they made it easy for us, or easier. Some of them were tarred and feathered. Amen. Well, some of those may be dead and gone now, but I'll tell you, that was a day they, they were tarred. The first church I pastored was a community that tarred and feathered the pastor. And... Uh, I, boy, I hear of it, but they blaze the trail. They, they deserve more than we can give. Father, bless this offering as people give. We worship you and we bless you. Bless all those that are retired from the pastoral ministry, evangelistically ministry. They are now needing our help. God, help them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship God. Please give. don't um if you don't have if you already had written your check or you uh like me you used all your cash to pay your tithes today then um <laughs> then uh, you can you're welcome to um bring some next week as a as a help and an offering for <clears throat> for our uh, retired ministers because they are uh, yeah it's it is important they are it is an underserved people group um that uh those who are elderly, just in general, el elderly and, and retired people um, and, and ministry because there are those who have uh, dedicated their entire lives to this and um, and maybe didn't have the opportunity for a 401k or retirement that, uh, that a, a typical job would provide. So they don't have as, as much to live off of. So. This is an opportunity for us to bless. So today, we are on word 10. We have made it to the 10th word. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> hey, next week is Thanks Sunday, but we'll see what happens. I mean, we may revisit. Who knows? But um, as we near the end of our study of the commandments, we reflect on the, the ninth one. We must recognize the responsibility of a witness. That our responsibility as a witness is to, is to be a faithful one, to help those who are not doing right, to help those who are 
uh, on that brink of disaster and to try to pull them back. We also must decide what kind of witness we want to be, a faithful one or a false one. Again, being a faithful witness, sometimes uh, it, it's not as popular as being a false witness because you make lots of friends who want to hear the kind of stuff you got to say. But a faithful witness is a, a true friend and a godly example. And the third thing we have to do is don't even pay attention. Choose to walk away from false witnesses. That if we, if we begin to hear things that are negative, we hear things that could potentially harm the reputation of someone else, we choose to walk away. So the last of the ten words will take some, some trust, will take some soul-searching. We can certainly understand the practical mechanics of this command, but the real issue, as with all the others, the real issue lies within our heart. While all the other commands do have internal aspects, we might still be able to follow the letter of the law in the outward sense with all the rest of them. Because even if, if I have murder in my heart, I may not actually go out and murder anyone. If I have dishonor for my elders in my heart, I can still, in a physical sense, look after their care. But the thing about this one is, it is all within the heart. So, this word demands that we confront our hearts and our desires. Take a look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. It says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So consider the implications of this command for these particular people. They had just left a life of slavery. A life with little, few possessions, no riches, certainly. They would have not had very much to covet. Living the lives that they had lived, they didn't have a whole lot that anyone would look at them and say, Oh, I want that. I gotta have what that person has. Now, of course, we know that the Egyptians had felt compelled by the Lord to give them riches as they were leaving. So certainly, they would have had some riches that, as they were out in the wilderness, other people might have seen and thought, oh, well, I sure would like to have that bracelet or that anklet or that whatever it may have been, that fine robe or whatever. But this word would have more likely had a long-range meaning. When they were able to settle in the land of promise, when the Lord had prospered them, they were not to covet what the other had. Now, this was, this was interesting because after 40 years, and, and you don't have to turn there, but after 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness, when Joshua became the leader, and they went into Jericho, and remember, the Lord had said, do not take a thing. This is to be leveled. Everything is to be killed. The only people who would have been saved were Rahab and her family who were in the house with her. But every other thing was to be killed, was to be destroyed. And it's interesting because there was a, a man who caused trouble for the entire nation of Israel 
And when the lots were cast, they, they had gone out. This is a whole other message, but uh, they had they had gone out. They were trying to defeat another enemy, and they were not able to defeat them. Like, oh, we can do this. No big deal. And they were not able to defeat that enemy. And Joshua was questioning the Lord, why were we not able to do this? And the Lord said, there's, a, there's some sin. There's some sin in your camp, and you need to find out who it is. So they cast lots, and they cast lots, and it went to the family and to the, what, to the, the tribe and the family, and then it was Achan. And when they asked him, why is, it that you, why is it that you have sinned? And he said, I coveted. I coveted this robe and this wedge of gold and all these riches. I coveted. And so I took them and I hid them. I disobeyed the Lord because he had commanded everything to be destroyed, to be left alone. Plus, he broke a commandment. So I'm telling you, this has long-range effects on all the people around us when we covet. So they were told not to do this, not to covet. The word covet means to delight in, to desire, to have great lust. We think of lust as a physical thing, but, but Paul says there's the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, and there's the pride of life. And so we can lust after things without that secondary aspect that we always assume lust is about. Lust is a great, strong desire for things that do not belong to us or that we do not need. It can also be, in a positive sense, beautiful. Because this word is used in other places in the Old Testament to talk about coveting the things of the Lord. So to desire greatly the things that the Lord has for you is different than desiring the things that don't belong to you. The prohibition was against coveting a neighbor's house. Not merely the structure, but all that can be applied to his household. Notice that as... Uh, as he's writing, he says, Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house. So he, he pauses there, put, there's a comma there, and it says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's, and then he lists. So the house is meaning the household. Anything that is under the roof, anything that is within the possession of your neighbor is not to be coveted. So the person that they're married to, those who work within their household, that which aids in the work that they do. And then at the very end, to make it clear, he says, nor anything that is in thy neighbors, that, that is thy neighbors. So anything that belongs to the neighbor should not be looked upon with covetousness, with lust. But why not? It is not typical for us to see something we want, right? Do we do, we do that often? Oh, wait. Okay. It is typical. Sorry. Um, I frequently, I mean, it's, it's Christmas time, right? Six weeks from yesterday. I'm so excited. But we begin to see things we want. Oh, that looks nice. I think I need a new one of those. Oh, I, I desperately need that. And we begin to make a list of things we want. Do y'all remember getting the, maybe... Uh, Maybe y'all are too older. <laughs> yes, you know exactly what I'm going to say. You remember getting the Sears catalog? And you'd take out a, a pen and you'd circle all the things you wanted. Oh, my golly, that was so much fun. Turn the page. And then this, like, boy section gag. <laughs> and Barbies. Barbie car. 
Barbie house, Barbie clothes. Yeah, that was just a joy. It really was. But again, this idea is ingrained in us from the time we're young. Want, want, want. Get more, get more, get more. So we're in that mindset. In Exodus 34, again, you don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, you can take a look. Exodus 34, when God was instructing the people about feast days, he told them that they were to appear before the Lord three times a year. He said that when the land was finally established, that they were to come before him, and this meant that they had to travel to Jerusalem for feast days. Those three feast times were the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So they were required, if they were able, physically able, they were required to go to Jerusalem. But in that chapter, the Lord said that no one would covet their land while they were gone. Yahweh said, I know that you're worried, and that's going to be one of the things that keeps you from coming to my house. I know that that's one of the things that's going to keep you from me, is that you're worried about your stuff. So those three times a year, I guarantee protection over your possessions so that no one will covet. No one from outside will try to come in and take your things while you're gone to worship me. So consider the effects of covetousness. As we are now in the the tenth word, let's think back to the others. Word one, I am Yahweh Adonai, who brought you out of a tight place, who broke your yoke of bondage. That is the first word. Remember that we said that we'd always considered it one thing, but it was actually another. So the first word that God spoke to them was, I am Yahweh Adonai. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the yoke. And as we think about how this relates to covetousness, see, to covet is to look at God, to look at Yahweh, the one who brought us out, the one who provides for our every need, and to say, what you have provided for me is not enough. In essence, when I covet When I say, I need more, and I need this, and I need that, and I need someone else's, and I need this, and this, and this, I am looking at Yahweh, and I'm saying, what you have given me is not enough, and I can't trust you to provide for me. So by coveting, I'm breaking word one. Word two, have no other gods. Do not bring any baggage into the presence of Yahweh. But when I covet... I begin to make an idol of the thing that I desire. Thoughts of it consume me and I am unable to worship. Just like God said to them, I'll protect your your house so that you're able to come worship me. When I am so consumed by my things or so consumed by the things that I want, I'm not able to come to God freely. I'm not able to come to him and worship. So by my coveting, I break word two. Word three, do not take the name in vain. How many times have I attached the name of Yahweh to a bless me religion? If God loves me, he will give me, insert word here. How many times do we hear it? 
Oh, the Lord just blessed me with my 17th jet. Thank you, Lord. That was a blessing. Oh, my. Sorry. No. Oh, the Lord has been good to give me a mansion in Maui and a mansion in Miami and a mansion in Aspen. Thank you, Lord. You've been good. Now, I'm not saying that we as the people of God cannot be blessed because we, we are. We are. But when all that I'm thinking about, when my entire religious experience is wrapped up in bless me, God, when the Bible says in this world you will have trouble, but be encouraged, I have overcome the world. When our example of how to live is a man who did not have a place to lay his head who did not have his own home who had to who had to borrow boats and borrow donkeys to get around then me constantly thinking that the Lord's just going to make it rain that's that's not that's not True, that's not biblical. Again, there's nothing wrong with blessings, but if that's all I'm worried about, then I'm breaking word three by my covetousness. Word four, keep the Sabbath as a holy day to the Lord. If all I can think about is how to keep up with the success of those around me, is it likely that I'm going to allow myself a time of rest? Is that likely? Is it likely that I'm going to lay aside those things, that striving? Is it likely that when I'm coveting, when I want, I want, I want, that I'm going to say, all right, Lord, I'm just going to rest in your presence. Sometimes in my coveting, I break word four. Word five says, honor father and mother, both natural parents and those in authority over you. If I'm desiring what someone else possesses, is that honor. So sometimes I may break word five in my coveting. Word six, do not murder. Remember that murderous action begins with murderous feelings. When I covet, I lessen the worthiness of my fellow man. I begin to justify doing whatever it would take to possess what is theirs. I begin to say they don't deserve what they have. I deserve it more. But we are both made in the image of God. Amen. So I'm lessening their worthiness when I covet. I'm tearing them down. I'm having murderous thought toward them. Oh, if I could just have what they have. So I get close to breaking word six when I covet. Word seven, do not commit adultery. Well, this is obvious. We are warned against coveting our neighbor's spouse. But I wonder if this could also prohibit comparisons within relationships. Oh, if I could only have a wife like her. She's so beautiful. If I could only have a husband who makes that kind of money. If I could only have what they have. 
and make them mine. But thank you, Jesus. If I could only have what I see on Facebook, the fake pictures that people are using filters to make everything look beautiful. Oh, if I could only have. But I begin to break word seven when I desire the relationship, the, the spouse, again, that someone else has, i got to be careful. Word 8, do not steal. Once again, if I consider myself more deserving of that coveted thing, I will not hesitate to steal from my neighbor. Word 9, do not bear false witness. When we covet the possessions of others, we may find reasons to justify their unworthiness. Thus, bearing witness against them. Oh, well, they don't deserve that. You know they don't act like they ought to. How come they have so many blessings? <sighs> like they've actually worked for that. we got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Because in breaking this 10th this commandment, we have the very great potential of breaking one through nine. The nature of covetousness, notice in Romans chapter seven, and you can turn there, I think you're gonna put it up, but Romans chapter seven. Verses seven and eight. And we hear Paul, who was an expert in the law, he he knew what he was doing. Seven and eight. He says what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said thou shalt not covet. But sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law sin was dead. So he said, you know, I, I didn't know I was sinning. Except that the commandment said, do not covet. He said, I saw this, this command, do not covet, do not lust after, do not desire things that don't belong to you. And all of a sudden I realized I had been doing that. Everything I saw, I wanted. I, I began to, to think, oh, well, I, I lusted after that thing. I lusted after that possession. I lusted after that relationship. I lusted after that knowledge. I, I lusted after this and this and this. And oh golly, I've been sinning this whole time. And I didn't realize. When he heard that coveting or lusting with the eyes or the flesh was a sin, he realized that his heart was full of evil desires. And that's the, the beauty of the word that it, as we read it more and more, we realize, oh golly, I've been doing this and I need to straighten up. And it's not to hurt us, it's not to harm us, but it is to, to create in us a turnaround, a change. That as we see God's word, it opens up to us, oh, I need to do better. Covetous brings about all manner of sins as we have seen. It would be possible to break each of the commandments just because of one covetous thought or action. See, I've always been taught, and, and I believe that it's true, 
that coveting is wanting something that someone else has. So the way that we always got around that was, I want one just like that. And like, oh, that's a, that's a fabulous boat. I want a boat just like that. Or I, I did hear someone else say, um, I would, uh, that's a great house. I want that one and the people who live in it, I want them to get a better one. <laughs> oh, that's kind of okay. Like, Lord, bless them more so that I can have what they have. <laughs> Give me that opportunity. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's right or not, but I guess it makes sense. But see, the feeling goes deeper. We start to feel that we deserve that blessing more than the person who has it. So how to guard our hearts against coveting. The first step, stop the comparisons. This is a powerful tool of the enemy, comparison. I hold up my life, my relationships, my possessions to someone else's. And I say, theirs looks better. I look at my house and I say, ugh, well, this house has this and this and this wrong with it and not enough of whatever, square footage or land or whatever. But look at theirs. How did they get what they have? I hold up my blessings. Oh, my, my kids act crazy, but theirs, theirs really seem to have it together. Oh, Lord, help. How can I get kids like that? I hold up my job. Oh, I work so hard, and that person doesn't seem to do anything, and they have a higher rank than I do. <laughs> I, hold the, I hold up, and I, I compare between my stuff and their stuff. And then I begin to feel inferior, and that's a tool of the enemy, too. Because when I look at what I have, and see, it goes, it goes either way. If I look at what I have and mine looks better than everybody else's, then, then the enemy brings in pride, right? Oh, well, so I'm on this side. Oh, yep, my stuff is better than your stuff. Yes, my children act like they got some sense. My husband makes the bed. Thank you, babe. Um, my, you know... My job is so great. Everybody respects me and I make tons of money. And then I begin to have pride because I compare. But then on the other side, if I'm the one looking over here and saying, oh, golly, well, my this isn't good enough and my that's not good enough and my, my looks don't compare and my talent doesn't compare and, oh, that person's so much better, then the enemy brings in inferiority. Well, you're not good enough for that anyway. You're never going to be good enough for that. You're never going to be able to accomplish that. But neither one is true and neither one is the, the thing we ought to do because comparison, no good. Paul says, when you compare yourself among yourself, you're not wise. That's a dumb thing to do, to compare yourself to the version that this person's putting forth. Unless you know what that person has invested you have no clue the cost of the upkeep in a in a financial way in a in a physical way emotionally spiritually you don't know the cost of the upkeep of that thing 
like uh, what was it? Dolly Parton said, it takes a lot to look this trashy. Um, it, you know, it takes a lot of money and takes a lot of time to keep up those appearances. So unless you live their life day in and day out, you do not know the filter that they have put over their lens. There's this, there's this amazing thing that happens with social media, and you can, you can put filters over all your pictures. And they have these filters that it's like a blurry filter that makes you look like you have makeup on. So sometimes people will post uh, like a half and half a half screen and so on this side it's their normal face and then they'll start to move over in the frame and that's where the filter is and you think oh wow that person looks so beautiful and they have it all together but we don't know what kind of filter a person is putting on their life that we're comparing our normal old life to we have no idea so the comparisons are just dumb don't do it The second thing to do to keep from coveting is to water your own grass. One of my favorite sayings is, the grass is greener where you water it. We look over and we see someone, uh, we look over the fence, oh wow, that's better. Maybe I should jump the fence and be over there. Also sometimes, and this is not in my notes, I promise, it came to my mind, but also sometimes the, the grass is greener where there's a whole lot of manure. So you got to be careful with that too. You look over at somebody's great stuff and like, oh, that's, that's not real. That's a whole lot of mess. That stinks. So the grass is greener where you water it. Ask yourself how well you're maintaining what the Lord has already given you before you begin to ask for more? Am I maintaining? Am I improving the relationships that God has given me? Or am I just looking at other people with jealousy saying, oh, I wish I had what they have? Am I, am I helping at work? Or am I just complaining? Lord, help me. You know, am I doing what I ought to do in the place that I have been planted? Because this will help me to not get so distracted by other people's stuff. If I'm watering my own grass, if I'm looking over what I already have been given. He promises to reward faithfulness. The Bible says that if we rule well over a few things, if we're faithful with just a few things, God will make us ruler over many things. So perhaps, perhaps... I'm going to look away, look somewhere else. Perhaps we don't have a lot of stuff because we're not being faithful over the little that we have. When I pray, God, help me win the lottery, I'm not going to look at anybody. <laughs> Y'all know who I'm thinking. Um, when I pray, God, help me win the lottery, I need $100 million. And I'll help so many people. Are you helping the people around you with the little that you have? Are you being a blessing with what God has already given you? Because if you're not, then biblically speaking, you are not going to get more. We can prove that. Because those who, who buried the talents that they had, those who didn't improve upon what they had, the master cast them out. He said, you're unprofitable. You've been useless with what I've given you. Get out of here. You don't work for me anymore. 
But when we take what God has given us and we bless it and we use it and we water it, God will give the increase. So maybe our grass isn't green because we're not watering it. Another of a, a, a great sayings, another of the great sayings that I, I like, G.K. Chesterton said, there are two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. If I'm grateful, and we're talking about gratitude this whole month, thankfulness, if I'm grateful for what I have, I begin to see that that's probably enough. But if I can't turn to God with gratitude and say, thank you, Lord, for the blessing that I already have, then I'm going to continue to covet. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know how I can... You know how I can have comfort? You know how I can be happy with what I have? You know how I can be content? It's because I know that God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's promised that. That even when I have little, it's enough because God's with me. And, and when I have much, when I am blessed beyond all measure, it's enough because God is with me. And Paul says that, you know, I've learned whatever state I'm in. They're with to be content. And he said, I, how, how am I able to do this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how I'm able to be content. That's how I'm able to not constantly desire. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting a little bit better. Absolutely not. But when I'm looking at other people's stuff and I'm comparing and I'm saying, you don't deserve that and I do. That's the problem. If I, if I water, if I maintain the blessings I already have been given, I will have less time to wonder about what others have and if mine is just as good or better. The third thing is understand. Oh, my. All right. Y'all get mentally prepared. The third thing, understand that not every blessing is yours. You know, we sing that song, Every promise in the book is mine. <clears throat> Not every blessing is yours. If I believe what is written in God's word, then I know that God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If I believe what's written in God's word, then I understand that if I delight myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. If I believe what is written in the word, then... I know that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things, all these necessities will be added unto me. That I don't have to ask for them, that God has provided them. Since his word is true, I must believe that if I do not have it, I do not need it. That hurts. Ooh, really? I said that, I said that, uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, I felt a little like, what? What? <laughs> yes. If I don't have it, I don't need it. 
because if I'm a child of God and he's promised me all the things that I need, if I don't have it, I don't need it. Certainly it would be great to have a bigger house, a nicer vehicle, a higher paying job. Yeah, it would be great. That would be wonderful. But I must go to the source to receive. If he has said no, then I definitely don't need it. But if he said wait, then he'll help me in the waiting. I should check my heart for growing feelings of discontent. When I begin to look at, I begin to look at other churches and say, oh, why do they have so many people? You know that that preacher's not preaching right, though. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that, you know, they're, and, and we do that, don't we? We do that. Oh, those, the, you know, the Bible says those uh, prophets with the, with their tickling people's ears with all their mess. That's why they got so many people over there. And we begin to compare. When really, it's our hearts are coveting what they have. Oh, they're so effective. Ah, wonder what they're compromising. And we do that. We see that and we think, oh, that, that can't possibly. And we begin to, to negate what God is doing in them. I, I was watching, and not intentionally, well, watching on YouTube, because I, I watch lots of preaching. And, uh, and a video comes out, you know, if you don't cut the video off at the end, then something else pops up. And, and uh, there was this particular person who began to, um, he was saying, this is not real worship. And he began to play um, some clips of pretty popular people. This is not real worship. <laughs> Why? And he was, oh, this is, you know, um, the Bible says worship in spirit and in truth. And this is not real worship. And I watched, because I began to be intrigued, and I was, I listened, it was like a 10 or 15 minute clip of a message that he preached, and he said, you know, people around here, I've, I've had lots of people leave here because, you know, they're, they're learning so much, but our worship, they just need a little more. Okay. You don't know that person's heart. You may say, I don't like what they're doing. You may say, that's not my jam. That's not the kind of music I'd like to listen to. Or that's not the atmosphere in which I worship best. But to say that's not worship, you don't know that person's heart. And how often do we do that? We discount and discredit someone else. Oh, they must not be doing right. Lord, help with our covetousness. Lord, help us. Check my heart, Lord. Perhaps certain blessings cannot be mine because I'm not able to steward them. With promotion and higher pay comes more responsibility and longer hours. Amen. Amen. And if I'm not willing to put in that effort, I, I, I don't need that. Better relationships require more time spent together. 
more communication. And if I'm not willing to do that, then my relationships are just going to stay the same. With bigger, nicer possessions comes more bills and higher payments. Amen. Amen. More effective ministry brings different personalities and requires more of our time. Amen. See, I'm only seeing the end result. That lovely package. Not all the tears and the prayers and the effort that goes into maintaining a blessing. I'm thinking that I deserve it more than them because I see them at their ease. I see how effortless it is for that person to to accomplish what they're doing. I haven't seen the sleepless nights and the prayers. I haven't seen what it took. The effort that that person made to get there. I haven't seen how they had to climb up from the bottom and they had to steward over very, very tiny bits and how they were discouraged day after day after day, but they just kept going. I haven't had to see that. I'm seeing how easy it is for them now because They've been blessed. They've been faithful. So when I think, oh, I can take that blessing. I'm doing just as much or more than they are. You didn't see what they've done years before that. You don't know. When I look at relationships that are working, I I didn't see the fight and the apologies and the misunderstandings. I didn't see the times that they had to go to counseling. I didn't see the times that that they fussed and they thought, oh, was it even worth it? I'm seeing this shining example of years of trust and building that. I'm thinking, oh, that looks great. I need that. I, I should have that right now. But that was effort. That took a lot. I'm looking at elevation. That's just an example that we know from around here. They're they're close by. I'm looking at the fact that they have 10, 15 campuses, but I'm not thinking of the fact that that when Stephen Furtick and his wife, 15 years ago, were driving hours from from, uh, South Carolina to North Carolina just to start a tiny little church on Independence Boulevard with 15 people. And the effort that they've put in and the prayers that have gone into that, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, oh, well, I can preach just as good, but can I work just as hard? Because the covetousness only sees the, the look good and I, I've, I could be just that... I could be just that. Not looking at the effort. Some blessings are not mine because I'm not going to put forth the effort to get them. Lord, help us. So we got to beware of covetousness. It has the potential to break every commandment. It does not see the inherent worth in, in another person. I need to be happy for that person. 
tearing them down, how, how is that good? When I see somebody doing good, I ought to say, thank you, Lord. Keep blessing them. A lot of times when I see these, these ministers online, and again, I listen to a lot of preaching, and I see these ministers that seem to be doing so well, I pray, God, keep them faithful. Keep them faithful to you. Because it's so easy when, I, when I'm on this side and I'm looking, oh, I have arrived. It's easy to, to let pride come in my heart, or it's easy to, to listen to the lies of the enemy telling me that I have to just keep doing more and more and more and more to maintain. And so it's a struggle, and I pray, God, help them. Help them to stay faithful to you. Help them to, to continue to be worthy of that calling. When you see people whose family looks like they got it together, whose kids are doing right, pray for those people. Lord, help those kids. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you've given. Thank you, Lord, that that person was able to afford such and such a thing. Thank you, Lord. Keep blessing them. Keep on, Lord. Help them to remain faithful to you. That should be our prayer, not cutting somebody down, not tearing them down, saying they don't deserve it. So to combat covetousness, we must stop the comparison. We must water our own grass, and we must understand that not every blessing is ours as the music plays and we go to the Lord in prayer asking him to help us to remain faithful over what he's given us and to trust in his word that when we are faithful over a few things he makes us ruler over many that we ask him to help us be content with whatever we have because with him it is enough Heavenly Father we thank you Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness to us, your mercy, your blessings, your grace. God, we are thankful. Lord, we are thankful for each blessing because you said that each day you load us with benefits. God, as soon as we wake up in the morning, we have more blessings than we can even count. Thank you, Lord, that you have made each one of us unique and special to receive reward from you. Father, I thank you that my blessing is different from someone else's and that I don't have to compare myself to that person to see if I'm doing right. God, I need to look at you. I need to look at you and say, am I looking like Jesus? Not do I look like this person who seems to have it all together. Do I look like Jesus? God, help us. Forgive us for those times that we've coveted. Forgive us for those times that we've lusted after things that didn't belong to us. Forgive us, God, for thinking that without effort we deserved more. Father, forgive us for those times and help us. God, help us to hold up that mirror of the Holy Spirit. Hold up that mirror of your word. Father, I pray that you would encourage each one of us to water our own grass. God, to maintain the blessings that you've already given. God, that you would help us to have stronger relationships because we're putting forth that effort. God, to have better relationships with our children, with our families, 
because we're calling them, because we're reaching out, because we're praying for them. God, not not just seeing from the outside the beautiful picture that someone else is putting forth, but God, that we are really, truly digging deep and saying, I want to change. God, I, I just ask that you would help us to be content with the things that we have because we know that you're faithful because we know that you will never leave us that you will never forsake us that you provide for each and every one of our needs I thank you and I praise you that your word is true and that when we delight ourselves in you you'll even give us the desires of our hearts that we don't have to covet what someone else has because if we will put our delight in you, you give to us more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Father God, I pray that you would help us to understand that not every blessing is ours, that some blessings are for others, and that that's okay. Because I'm not who you made that person to be, I'm who you made me to be, God. Help me to understand. Help me to understand. Cleanse my heart, God. Keep me from breaking your commandments. God, as we're, as we're ending here, as we're seeing the, the wrap-up of those Ten Commandments, God, help us to go out with a deeper purpose and a deeper determination to not break your commands, God. To stay close to you to follow you and to do what you've called us to do, Father. God, we give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you that you're not done with us. We thank you that you're not done blessing us, that you're not done using us, that you're not done yet. But if we're still here, there's a purpose. We trust you, Father. Whatever that purpose may be, we ask you to help us accomplish. Not to look like anyone else, but to look like you. Heavenly Father, we ask that your people be strengthened. We ask for help physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Every single thing that we need, we ask you to provide. In Jesus' precious name. And we say today, may Yahweh bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. And may he give you his peace. 